about Tuesday or Monday, James came down with a pretty horrible type of flu. I've known him for about 20 years and that's, I've never seen him like it. <laughs> so he's uh, still on the, on the up, but didn't feel up to being here today. And uh, when you get like that, you really need to have a good rest. So Michelle's, I'm guessing, out the back. We do have Lydia here flying the flag, so they're all here. That's good. Now, YPs, 12 and 13-year-olds. The wonderful Liz is going to take you this morning after she gets, she's got her drink, she's off. Follow Liz, 12 and 13-year-olds. You'll have a great morning, I assure you. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we're able to come here together in your name and we thank you that through your Holy Spirit we will learn and we'll hear from you. I thank you will minister to each and every one of us as we uh, need to be ministered to, Lord. I thank you for your word and that your word brings life in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled my message, Be Careful What You Believe. If you were here last Sunday, can I have that? Oh, no, that's all right. Thanks. That'll be. Um, if you were here last Sunday, you would remember that last Saturday I was totally devastated. I had been believing something for probably maybe nearly 12 months, and it was a lie. I was absolutely shattered that this belief of mine was so untrue. Because you see, I'd been doing a lot of going to the gym, I'd been cycling, walking, doing lots of activity things. And last year, about this time I think it was, I bought two new pairs of jeans to replace my favourite ones that you couldn't sort of wear to church anymore. And I bought a size 34. Now, I can't remember the last time I bought a size 34 jeans. So I was really excited that I dropped a size. So obviously all that exercise and stuff had been doing something. So last Saturday, I was looking on the internet at buying some um, jeans for wearing on a motorcycle. They have armour and stuff in them these days, so if you fall off, it protects your legs. And when you're looking on the internet, you really don't know what their sizes are like. But one of the sites says, put your jeans down flat, do the button up, measure across and double, and that'll be what your size is. So I got both my new and old jeans out. And I measured them. And I looked. And I measured again. Hello? I'm not going to do it. We're not working. Can we go to the next one, please? Oh, no, you probably can't see it. But you might guess which is the oldest pair of jeans. If not, I'll help. It's the one on the right. Okay? Measure across, that's 18 inches. The new ones on the left-hand side are 19 inches. No wonder my 34s were so comfortable. 
My 34s are bigger than my 36s. And I'm guessing my 36s have stretched over the years. I was shattered. This belief system of mine was just, I'm still not real good about it. I'm still a bit, bit uh, yeah, a bit done in. But so all that stuff I'd been doing was, I thought it was good. Probably was, but I was just devastated that I was believing a lie. There's plenty of lies around today. We believe all sorts of things. So be careful what you believe. One thing I've really noticed out of this whole Trump thing in America, and it's even here in Australia, even more so, of what do you believe the media tells you? My goodness. They've even admitted it now that there's false news items. I think there's been false news items for a long time. You do realise that newspapers and television run elections and then that's how they get won and lost. It's got nothing to do with the politicians. You're all aware of that? Some of us are. Very simple example of an ab absolute lies from the media. Nothing real world-shattering, but between... On Boxing Day, Sandy and I and two friends, another couple went to Melbourne and we came back New Year's Eve. And while we were staying at Docklands. Anyone know, been to the Docklands area? And it's uh, like it's about as flat as this. You, I'm, I'm guessing it's Docklands because it used to be old dock areas. They put all nice apartments and businesses in there and a nice Aussie Rules football ground. And so our view was out over the sort of the the port of uh, Melbourne, and uh, one afternoon this storm's coming in from the west, southwest there, and it was just fascinating to have, be able to stand there and watch all this lightning coming in over all those, those big train loader things they have, and it rained quite heavy for a little while. And we watched the news that night, and apparently in the Docklands, after an enormous, I think it was like, 20 or 30 mils in an hour, huge amount of rain. We were all thinking, no, we're Queenslanders, we don't measure in an hour until at least gets to a, um, you know, 10 centimetres or something. And in North Queensland, they don't start measuring until they talk in metres. But this huge amount of rain caused all this flooding in the Docklands area. They had cars floating in the water. And we're going, excuse me? Because... We had floor-to-ceiling windows, and we're sort of... I wonder where that was. We had another example, weather again. Some years ago, you may remember, we had a, um, a Cyclone 5 category, and it was predicted to hit um, Gladstone on a Sunday afternoon. On Saturday afternoon, Sandy and I were out at the Finnica Park, and the, 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 the harbour was as flat as this carpet. We hadn't had any rain. There'd been no wind. And so we were just had a nice time out there and went home. We watched the news. And this lady standing out at Spinnaker Park saying that the harbour is starting to calm, you know, not so much swell. And we go, what? And the, the heavy rain has eased up. The heavy rain. 
and the wind is not as bad as it was earlier in the day, but it'll get... We go, really? I can't call it anything else but a blatant lie. I mean, I guess the weather doesn't affect us too much, but that's how media goes. I'm thinking... Because over the years we've lived in Gladstone... A couple of times we've had family from down south ring us up asking us how we're going because of the weather. We're going, well, we had a picnic out at the lake today. And uh, why? What's happening? Oh, there's all news about Gladstone, blah, blah, blah. We're going, really? Oh, okay. So be careful what you believe. What do you believe? Why do you believe it? And is your belief right? I'm sure you would agree that what we believe has consequences, good and bad. Would you agree with that? I mean, if I think going out on a Saturday night, going to one of the clubs, getting so drunk that I can hardly walk, waking up in the morning beside some lady that I don't know and can't remember why I'm in her bed. If I believe that's a good, good way of life, and many do, I think that'll have consequences, especially as I'm married to Sandy. That'll be one consequence. That's a belief system that's quite acceptable in our society. On the other hand, if we believe things according to the word of God, we can have better consequences and our life will go better. And ultimately, our beliefs will uh, affect our eternal consequences. Who's heard of the, can someone say phenomena? Because I can't say it. Nice and loud. Yeah, that's it. Phenomena. I can't say phenomena. <laughs> it gets them every time. <laughs> that if you walk, you will go off to one side if you continue to walk. Anyone heard of that? Two people. Oh, two. Well, there is a phenomena that if you walk, you will naturally go left or right. So I was thinking about this when I was out here praying on Thursday morning and I put it to the test. So if you want to know what pastors do on a Thursday morning, they walk up and down here with their eyes closed, seeing if they veer off. And you do. So I would line myself up with something like that little, the little thing under the um, air con there, whatever that is, and I'd sta stand here and I'd close my eyes and I'd walk 15 paces that way. And lo and behold... I'd be one time I was I started over there and I was nearly hitting the chairs when I stopped. That's in fifteen paces. So then I thought, well I know I'm doing this, so I'm trying to not um, uh, be aware. I don't a bit hard to do that because you already know you're aware. So I'd try and not affect my walking. And at one stage I went off to the right. So in just that amount of time, 
you would veer off somewhere. So I looked it up a bit, followed it up on the internet, and uh, there was a person by the name of Jan Suman in Germany who was, who was approached by a science TV show to have a look into this phenomena. I got phenomena, yeah. I can say phenomena. And so uh, he looked into it and to see if it was true. And uh, when lost, he suspected people might veer to the left or right, but he didn't expect them to actually walk in a true circle. I didn't hear know about that one. But to find out, he instructed nine people to walk as straight as possible in one direction for several hours. Six walkers forged through a flat forested region of Germany and three trekked through the Sahara Desert in southern Tunisia. A sandstorm stopped further testing in the desert. All walkers wore, wore GPS receivers so that the researchers could analyse their, their routes. The results showed that no matter how hard people tried to walk in a straight line, they often ended up in circles without even realising that they were crossing their own paths. So these people were walking around in the woods, the forest or the desert, going around in a circle. And apparently, you can just stand and walk in the spot and you will start to turn. I actually did it this morning without even thinking about it. One of the songs, I was just sort of doing, I move, keep moving because if I stand too long, I stiffen up. And I was facing that way to start and I opened my eyes and I was facing that way within a few moments of a song. And they have this other parts of this article so shows that it's not because you might have a, a bad leg or a good leg or, or some physical thing because the same people veer, as I did the other day, both directions. So it was interesting that there was a bit of a twist in this research Circular walking befell only the four forest walkers who had to walk in overcast conditions and the one desert walker who walked at night after the moon had set. Those who could see the sun or moon actually managed to travel fairly straight. So these people obviously had a focus or a guiding light. My thing going to work? Now here's the difference. This is a road being built in about 1950s or 60s. The bulldozer driver was told to head to the point on the bluff. Can you see that? It's, I know it's a bit faint. It's an old photo. He's done quite a good job of going to the point of the bluff, hasn't he? He had a focus. He had his eyes open. He knew where he was going. You see, in Italy, all roads may lead to Rome, but not all beliefs lead to God. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis was involved in a discussion in an international conference of religious leaders from around the world. And in the midst of the conference, debate began about what was that what was it that set 
set Christianity apart from other religions. Some argue that it was God coming in the flesh and set Christianity apart from others. They decided that wasn't because other religions claimed that their gods came in human form. Uh, they, some argue that it was love or sacrifice or the resurrection or one thing or another, but each idea being shot down because other religions claim to do the same thing. C.S. Lewis, arriving late, walked into the conference and asked what the noise was all about. When told they were discussing what it was set apart from other religions, he said, that's easy. It's grace. That's the thing that sets us apart from those other beliefs. How true it is, the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion and every cult in the world is grace. The unmerited, unearned, undeserved favour of God. Grace is sufficient for us. John 14, 6 and 7 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. So from now on, you know him and have seen him. So how can we make sure that we are believing the right stuff? A test for the oldies. Who remembers this one? <laughs> I didn't realise you were that old, Shah. And... That is an old song. You would have been very small when you, very small. I think you probably heard it in your mother's womb. I don't, yeah. That's, that's a, did I get myself out of that one? I'm sure more than just Shara knows this song, don't they? Come on, there must be a, a yeah, that's a, yeah, we're getting a bit more honest now. Huh? I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. I'm not going to sing it. I have the fruit of the Spirit. I'm abiding, abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine. Love, joy, health, peace. He has made them mine. I have prosperity, power and the victory. Abiding, abiding in the vine. What a great song. I have love, joy, health, peace. I have prosperity, power and victory. Why? You get the lolly. Abiding, yeah, the answer wasn't Jesus. It's the Sunday school answer. Well, it is, isn't it, actually? Because who is the vine? Jesus. If we want all that, we have to abide in the vine. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, the Gospel of John. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does abide in me, 
who does not abide in me, sorry, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. That's a good thing to believe in. We need to be connected to Jesus because he is, the, he is the, uh, the, the vine. He has the roots and everything we have comes from him. Because what does he say? Without him we can do nothing. We need to stay connected. Because when we're connected in that way, we know what God is doing and we can be a part of it. As we go on, I think I've got to use my clicker thing. Oh, yeah, there we are. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. When we are connected to the vine, we know what God's up to. So the disciples of Christ, we need to love one another and be fruitful. Would you agree from that passage of Scripture? Good, I've got a couple agreeing. I'll go on. So what is love? What is fruitfulness? Firstly, can I say what love isn't? Love isn't being a doormat. I'm sure at one time in our life, we would have had someone say to us, you don't love me because you fill in the gap. That's not love because you don't do something for somebody. See, love can be saying no. And quite often... Those of us who have children know that that's probably the most common word you use in love to your children is no. <laughs> I had a friend whose daughter wanted to go to a party on a block of land over near Clinton somewhere. And so that sort of rings a bell. Not, not Clinton, just being on a block of land. And so he said, first off, he said, no, you're not, oh, Dad, I love you. He said, okay. 
you can go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll be parked on the footpath out the front. Oh. Man, she was probably devastated for months, as young teenage girls get. I told no. But he was far better off doing that than saying yes and letting her go. We often have to say no. Who's been to the toilet this morning? Oh, don't put your hands up. (laughs) If you would have, you would have seen this. I hate being confined by the fence. I'm jumping over it. Wait, it's not a fence. It's a... What does the guardrail do? It protects us. Whoever keeps commandments keeps their life, but whoever shows contempt for their ways will die. That's what saying no in love is. We're stopping people from jumping over the fence and over the cliff. So just be sure of that, that love isn't doing everything everybody asks you to do. Let's have a look at what love and fruitfulness is. Who hasn't heard 1 Corinthians 13? Most of us have, I'm sure. Who's been to a wedding? You would have heard it probably. Now this is a good, good definition of love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Does, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's love, fruitfulness. Galatians 5, I'm sure most of us have heard Galatians 5. The fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, starting at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who are Christ have have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking one another, envying one another. What I noticed is that love and fruitfulness are not about doing. You read the words there, they're about being. The character trait is what love and... As soon as someone says fruitfulness, I'm thinking of, oh, this person does that, 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 and you know, blah, 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 and people get touched by it. There's nothing wrong with that, but when you look at what it says there, what fruitfulness is, it's not doing, it's being. Though I, walk, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, see, obviously you can do those things without love. 
I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and although I have all the faith that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. They're all doing things. But the list there is about being, not doing. It's out of being, being Christ-like that we do the doing. Ephesians 8, 2 to, 2, uh, 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not that of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Message Bible says he creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does. Isn't that exciting? We join with Jesus to do the work that he does. Amen. Our good works must come out of love, of our love of the one who first loved us, Jesus, who while we were still sinners died for us, was buried and rose again, conquering death and sin. We can't do it without being connected to the vine. That's why it is so important for a Christian, for the Christian to have right beliefs. Where am I? Go to Timothy. Second Timothy. Second Timothy. What are we after first? Three, one to five. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Jump back to Romans chapter 1. I've lost it. Romans chapter 1. Starting at verse 18. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what, they, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became Fools and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. It goes on. That was written, what, some 2,000 years ago, give or take a few decades? Somewhere in the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. We're looking at exactly the same stuff today, but probably wrapped up differently. Would you agree? And it's easy to start believing in things. 
I know I've listened to someone on an interview on the radio or the TV, and you start thinking, oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a good idea. That's, you know, I can understand that. And after a while, you start to think, well, hang on. <laughs> we're, we're starting to go like walking with your eyes shut, starting to veer off. You need to hop into the dozer and get that little hill in your focus. There's many ways we can be, many good sounding beliefs out there these days. Because every belief has an agenda. And some beliefs that sound really good have really basically evil agendas behind them. And they're all well known. <laughs> and uh, a lot of our young people get caught up them as well. So we need to be aware of what we believe in. Psalm 23 verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. His unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. Takes our dead spirit, dead in sin makes it alive through his spirit that lives within us. He restores our soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. In other words, we need to be connected. We are the branches. We need to be connected to the vine. For his name's sake. The ultimate purpose of us as Christians is to bring glory to God that others may live as well. I'm not sure what you believe, but I'm sorry to shatter it. It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about him. If we're connected to the vine, we're connected to him. Remember my genes? Genes aren't always what they seem, so be careful what you believe. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our, our light. Psalm says you are light unto our feet and we don't have to walk in the dark. We don't have to walk with eyes closed, not knowing where we're going, stumbling around. But we can be like the bulldozer driver that has a point to, to aim for, to go for. We thank you that you're with us as we travel through this life. Father, we know that even as we read there from words that have been written a couple of thousand years ago, warning the Christians at that time, of the people with beliefs that would be different, that would, that would take them away from knowing you. We know that's still the same today. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, that we would uh, be connected not only to you, but to people who know the truth, and that we will be guided in that way. We thank you, Father, for your great love. We thank you for your grace. 
that unmerited favour that you've given each and every one of us. That as we walk in it, we would not be deceived. Father, we know that the ultimate is uh, being in glory with you. Father, this morning we give you all the praise and all the honour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, enjoy the rest of your morning. Have some morning tea. If you can, have a great week. If you can't be here tonight, 6 o'clock. Bless you all.